0: Oh, good morning, Venture. I'm so grateful that you are here today. We are journeying through the book of Philippians together, and uh, if do me a favor right now, grab your Bible and if you have it with you, open it up to Philippians chapter two. We're going to dive into that here in just a minute. Before we do that. I'm excited about an event that's coming up up right around the corner. It's going to happen right here on our church property. Have you heard of the eclipse event yet? The whole world is talking, it seems like, about this eclipse event. Uh, April 8th. We happen to be in the epicenter of it right here in Hamilton County. They're saying people are going to be coming from all over the country to join us right here and to see it right here. Our church has planned a block party, if you will. It's an opportunity for us to roll out the red carpet for our neighbors, and I mean literal neighbors. We have folks who live within walking distance of this property right here. We just wanna host a block party for them. I talked about this last fall. Perhaps you remember during the season of New Life, one of our New Life initiatives, we wanna build out some outdoor environment space, not just for us, church family, but for our neighbors as well. We wanna kinda catch a taste of that, April 8th. So think live music, think just good old fashioned fun. Speaking of live music, some of you know well the Flying Toasters. This is a local cover band. Uh, Kelly and Holly, yeah, celebrate that. That's cool. Don and I have gone and enjoyed it in park settings around here several times. You probably have as well. Uh, they're a great band, both Kelly and Holly, who were up here on the platform helping lead worship just a minute ago are in that band. And uh, they're going to be out there. April 8th. That's going to be all kinds of fun. You want to mark your calendar right now for. It. actually, oh if you would pull out your phone and go to ventureChristian.church slash eclipse how creative is that slash eclipse and you can find all kinds of information there about that event that's going to be happening and uh, if you scroll down to the bottom of that we'll talk more about this as we get closer to the event but you'll notice that we're charging for parking Why are we charging for parking? Well, first of all, you're not going to be able to park anywhere in Hamilton County that day for less than, this is a $20 per car load we're charging for parking. So invest in somebody, invite them, have them ride with you, or better yet, maybe you buy them their own ticket or car load and invite them to come and be a part of this event. We're doing this for this reason, we want to offset the cost of the event so our neighbors, who are walking distance away, can literally just walk over and join. It will be gratis, free to them. And so you can offset that simply by paying for parking. You can do that at that website, adventurechristian.church slash eclipse. It's going to be awesome. Okay. I found myself over the last few weeks. I found this blog site. I keep going back to. Are blogs still a thing? Apparently, they are in China. There's a bit of a translation issue here, but some of the stories that come out of China about faith, well, they grow my faith. We have Christian brothers and sisters in China. The church is exploding in China in really good ways, blowing up in amazing ways. There's some persecution that Christian brothers and sisters experience there. Reading this particular story, it took my mind back to about four years ago. Pay attention to the date of this blog. January 30th, 2020. On his way back from Queen Dao I think I'm mispronouncing it, but we'll go with that A guy named Teng Wan. We worship the same Jesus. He's my brother in Christ. He received a message from his, they call it a church circle. I think it would be like the way we think of small groups, maybe home groups. It might actually be a house church. This person's asking for prayer. This is a couple that have tested positive for COVID-19. April, or I'm sorry, rather January 30th, 2020, I barely knew that word. Skip ahead a couple months. I very much knew those words. This couple tested positive in China, and they're being isolated for treatment. Because of this, this was the prayer request. Their five-year-old, five-year-old, his name was Dao Dao, had been left all alone. They were whisked away to isolation. They're sick. There's a five-year-old alone. Well, he did what you would do. If you're part of a church family, you heard a story like that. I hope you would run toward the fire, so to speak. He said this of this opportunity. Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. And he also told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And right there in front of me is a neighbor in need. Isn't it straightforward what I should do? He and his wife brought this child into their home at great risk to themselves. They didn't even know what they were doing in that moment. Do you remember that era? They caught some heat for it. Their whole apartment complex is up in arms. You're bringing an exposed, possibly infected child into the space. Oh, my goodness, how could you do this? He said, the old me would never do something so radical, but Jesus taught me that I shouldn't withhold good from those who need it when it is in my power to act. Hmm. He tested positive himself. He lived through the experience, but he said this later, I don't regret anything. Decisions that have made, have been made rather for God and led by God contain God's goodness. If God doesn't allow it, nothing will happen to me. If God allows it, well, I will accept his will. Hear me. In times of crisis and in times of normalcy, the church of God functions best, in my opinion, when it acts like the family of God. One of my favorite metaphors in all of scripture is the metaphor we're leaning into today straight out of the text. It's this idea that you, whether you recognize it or not, if you're a part of a body, a community of believers, you belong to a family. I'm going to say it again. In times of crisis and in times of normalcy, here's the problem with that. We recognize that era, oh, that felt like crisis. We get that as crisis You might be walking in today thinking, oh, life is pretty normal for me right now. But here's the thing. There very well could be somebody who's sitting right down the row from you right now. For them, their world feels like crisis today. So in times of crisis, and times of normalcy, the church of God functions best when it acts like the family of God. The title of today's message, Family Framework. We're going to look at the text. We're going to look beneath the text. We're going to look before and even after the text. And we see that there's a framework here, a design, God's design for the church. Well, we're a family. I would subtitle this message like a son and like a brother. That's what God is calling you to be like a son or a daughter, like a brother or a sister. You belong to a larger body of believers. Welcome to the family. We're going to look at two specific individuals and we're going to grab some information and some insight from them straight from the text. The big idea is that Christians, when all cylinders are clicking the way they should be, Christians care for each other like family. Some of us, some of us are picture of family. It's not great. Maybe you have childhood trauma Jesus would seek to redeem that and he would desire to use a body of believers to do that or maybe your experience of family is healthy and you remember your childhood with fondness well Jesus would seek to build on that and to use you to grow up a body of believers more in his likeness as sons and daughters and brothers and sisters the family of God the uh Vision statement here at Venture, just in case you haven't caught this. You just heard Addison use similar language. Venture home, that's the call to action, home. Welcome home, where we seek Jesus and we see you. You're a part of a family. Let's live like it. All right, so let's dive into the text. I'm in Philippians chapter 2, if you have not yet gone there, verse 19. If you want to follow along in those Bibles underneath the seat in front of you, I'm on page 1180 there. I'm on page 12 of this Philippians journal if you want to join me there. Let's read together. You'll notice that it's subtitled or it's headed Timothy and Epaphroditus. That one's hard to say. These are the two key characters we're going to draw application from today. This is Paul chasing joy through Philippians, writing from a cruel Roman jail cell back to a church that he loves. He's holding up two examples for them, and he begins it with this. I hope in the Lord Jesus. We should pause right there for a minute. Paul says, I hope. My hope itself, and for him, this was a season of crisis. My hope is in the Lord Jesus. How about you? I could preach a whole series on this phrase. Where is your hope today? Is it in the Lord? Maybe. Maybe you wrestle with the temptation to put your hope in your own resourcefulness. Reading that blog brought up some memories of four years ago. Maybe you feel those as well. I wonder, did anybody else experience this past Thursday when you heard the news that AT&T, the cell phone grid had gone down? Did any of you have just a brief moment of, uh uh-oh, what's going on? What's happening? how is this going to affect me? I texted my brothers, hey, have you heard about this? Made a couple of phone calls, hey, it's go time. Do I have food in the freezer? What's happening right now? Does anybody else, any of you wrestle with this affliction? It brought back several memories, including those early days of COVID four years ago, back when we didn't really lock down. What is that? I've never experienced that in my life before. What's happening right now? What's going on? During that season, I looked out my front window. I'm even ashamed to share this with you, but I'm gonna. I look out the front window of my house, and one of my neighbors had hit a rabbit in the road. There's roadkill in the front of my house. I grew up on a farm. I know about stuff like this. I literally had the thought, should I go out there and clean that thing up and quarter it up and stick it into freezer bags and put it in my freezer? Are we going to need that at some point? Because I know how to do this, I can make this happen. Anybody else? No? Weird? Yeah, that's a little bit weird. I hope in Stan. That's what that moment was. I'll take it one step further. I hope in the Lord, Stan. What? Yeah. Lord just simply means boss, in control. In that moment, in that, oh my goodness, self-reliance can be an idol anything you place above jesus is an idol church family gut check who who's your hope in today we're talking about family framework we're talking about the family of god how about your nuclear family who's the lord of your family is it mom is it dad is it the kids who's the boss who's in control The Bible says a cord of three strands can't be broken. Your family tree, who's at the top of your family tree? Is it you, is it your wife, your husband, the kids? Or is it the Lord Jesus? Wrestle through that question. Holy cow, we're only six words into the text. He hasn't even really engaged with the text yet. How long is this sermon? Well, let's go, here we go. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy, To you soon. Okay, Timothy. We're going to talk about Timothy. So that I too may be cheered by news of you. He needs it, he's in jail. For I have no one like him, young Timothy, this protege of mine in the faith, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He loves you, you know he does. For they all, these other opportunities, these other options I could send, seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know Timothy's proven worth. You've spent time with him. You've been in community together with him. How as a son with a father. This is strong family framework imagery here. He has served with me in the gospel, furthering the good news of Jesus Christ. Timothy is invested. Let's hold him up as an example. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. This passage of Scripture, he bookends it with trust at the end. And at the beginning, perhaps you remember there's a whole thing on hope. He's saying, I hope in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. But there are some examples that I would hold up to you as we think about living inside of the family framework. Let's look at a son, let's look at a brother. You could make application to a daughter, a sister, but we're a part of the family of God. Let's talk about Timothy, who he's described as like a son. That is strong praise. We should pay attention. We should lean into this. What can we learn about Timothy, his example? As we do this, I want to share with you that there's a bit of a tension here to recognize, to own, to wrestle through. It's the doing versus being for each of these cast of characters, Timothy and Epaphrodites. We're going to look at their job description, and then we're going to look at their humanity, who they are as a child of God, even what qualifies them their being for their doing, their job description. He has a job to do. So let's start with that idea. Timothy literally has a job to do. He's called to spring into action and he's going to do it, and we see it through this text. What were Paul's plans for young Timothy? Well, here's one He's calling him to come to Philippi soon. You could see this in verse 19. He hints at it, he talks about it in verse 23. Paul wants to be encouraged because Timothy then will bring back a report to him of how they're doing, how they receive this letter, how they receive this instruction. But notice that Paul trusts in the Lord Jesus to do this. Remember, my hope is in Jesus. My trust is in Jesus. Maybe another way of saying this would be the way James says to do this. If the Lord wills. I love this. In James chapter 4, he says, you've got all these plans for life. You're making preparations. You're going to go kill this and drag this home. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, you'll live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag. What's wrong with that? Well, such boasting is evil. Again, self-reliance. You're placing above God. That's, that's idolatry. Oh, Be careful. Sending Timothy is going to be delayed if Paul's condition is more fully known. What's another point, bullet point on his job description, if you will? Oh, the pastor. He's being trained up to pastor a local body of Christ. Paul, if you want to read more about this, sends two letters to young Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and in that, he's encouraging Timothy and counseling him and encouraging him, training him up. But at this point, he's spending time, a lot of time with him. Timothy has jumped into the deep end, so to speak. Can you imagine traveling with the Apostle Paul? You talk about an internship. I reflected back as I was thinking about that, my own internship, my own springboard into ministry so many years ago. Don and I got married and moved to Las Vegas because that's what you do. And I started my ministry at a great church out there and I got to spend time. I got pushed into the deep end in some really good ways. I remember right after I got there, I had not yet baptized somebody, but I had an opportunity to do a baptism. It happened to be somebody who was a quadriplegic, several hundred pounds heavier than me. Jump in the deep end. Let's figure this thing out. Let's celebrate new life in Christ. We all got wet that day. It was awesome. There were moments where I was sent into a hospital space to pray over somebody. I was 20 years old. Somebody's dying of an illness. What am I going to say? Well, what would God say in this moment? How could I be with them evangelism opportunities, even some scary places in Las Vegas. I got to go and be a part. Jumping into the deep end, it was an incredible opportunity. But I bet, I bet Timothy is swimming in the deep end. And the Apostle Paul is building into him, encouraging him, challenging him, growing him up in the faith because he's got some incredible jobs to do in the future. He's pastoring At the end of Timothy's story, we find him in a local church, pastoring, doing. But remember this doing versus being continuum. He has a job to do. He has a job description. But first and foremost, he's called to be a child of God, doing versus being. So he has a job to do, but he also is a son in the faith. He's a son to be recognize your identity as not just what you do, but who you are. Doing versus being, I'll never forget a moment when an older brother in the faith stepped into my office early in my ministry. He shut the door behind him. I didn't invite him in, but he came in anyway. He shut the door and he said, hey, you know that you can't do anything to make God love you more, right? Okay, What? Uh, See, I've watched you. You're all busy and trying to achieve and do things, but you know you can't earn your way into his good graces, right? You know that, right? Oh, man, that's a good gut check. And that produced some great conversations moving forward. I'm forever grateful for that moment and the several moments that followed that after then. So, why use Timothy. How is he qualified for this job description? The being side of his nature, I'm glad you asked. We find it right here in the text. Paul had no one else, he said. No one else who was like-minded. This is a big deal to the Apostle Paul. It should be a big deal to us as well. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we're all rowing in the same direction at the same time. Look out world, God can use us for amazing things to advance his kingdom. This is why Paul, in early uh, second chapter of Philippians, he says this to the whole church, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. I mean it so much, I'll repeat it. He says this of Timothy. Timothy and I share the same mind. We're aiming in the same direction, so I can send him in my stead. And he can encourage you just like I would encourage you if I could be there myself. Paul had nobody else who would sincerely care for their state. Timothy is invested with this local body of believers. We first see him. He first shows up on the scene in Acts chapter 16. You could read about this. Paul had just picked him up at the stop in his missionary journey before they came to Philippi. Timothy was a part of this church plant Timothy was a part of the miraculous stories that God began telling in and through this young church in Philippi. Timothy was invested in their early story. He knew them. He was in community with them. He was a member already of this church family. So, for all these reasons and more, no other person was better suited for this particular task. His devotion to Christ, you could read about this at verse 21, surpassed others. He was all in. He was a son in the faith, deeply devoted follower of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 He's only following Jesus' example after all, and Paul reminds the whole church of that. Don't look out just for your own interests, but the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he, he talks about this early Christ hymn. He quotes this early song in the early church that they sang, and this is who you're supposed to be like, Jesus. He has proven his service in similar errands. Paul has already sent him on some errands and he's been used in some powerful ways like in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Check this out. I'm not writing you. Paul is writing out to the church in Corinth. We're studying the letter he wrote to the church in Philippi. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Again, the family framework. We're a part of a body of believers that is a family together. This is a model From a long time ago, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Powerful imagery. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy, my son. He describes him that way again whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church, not just the church in Corinth he's writing to here, but also the church in Philippi. Timothy was filled with humility, and he had served with humility. What do we see? As a son with his father, he served with me. Okay, so we hope in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. Here's the action step. Hopefully, I entrust spiritual sons and daughters. So whether it's Timothy or Epaphroditus, as we think about sons, as we think about daughters, as we think about, here in a minute, brothers and sisters, this is both doing and being. Hopefully, I entrust spiritual sons and daughters. So what's the action step? Well, you just saw it. Be a Timothy. Are you? How are you doing in that regard? Being a spiritual son, bringing about the faith in any way you can. Also have a Timothy. How are you doing in that area? Are you investing deeply in somebody? Is there somebody inside your sphere of influence, inside the family of God, who's just a step, maybe two behind you on this journey? Your job is to encourage them. Your job is to empower them. Your job is to walk alongside with them, be a Paul to their Timothy because we're a part of a larger family here. How are you doing in that area? Are you a Timothy? Do you have a Timothy? All right, let's keep studying this text together. Let's move from Timothy onto the next big cast of characters here. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. My brother, look at his job description Merge here, and fellow worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my needs, for he's been longing for you all. He loves you like I love you and has been distressed. Check this out. Because you heard that he was ill. There's so much in that sentence. He knows that you know that he's been sick and that stresses you out, so that stresses him out. Do you see how a family is designed to operate? Indeed, he was ill near to death. This was a serious illness. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. We're going to talk about that. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Here's what happened. Epaphroditus brought a gift that the church in Philippi had collected. Paul's in jail in Rome. They didn't have like the system we have for tax, a tax base pays for a jail sentence. No, no, no. He was on his own dime to buy his own food all while he's locked up. This church in Philippi sees this and they jump, they spring into action, they collect an offering and they send Epaphrodites to bring those resources to the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter to them as a thank you note. And because he's a pastor, he can't help but throw in some encouragement, some instruction, some challenge along with the thank you note. He's gonna send quite literally that letter back to the church in Philippi and Epaphrodites is going to deliver it back to them. He's a key character in this story. What can we learn from him? Well, he's described in this family framework model, he's described, well, like a brother, just like Timothy. Epaphrodites has a job to do. Let's look at his job description, shall we? We just read the text. He's described like a brother. Some of you might have a tainted picture of what family could be or should be. It would be my prayer as you lean into a healthy Christian community in your small group and your connections that you have here, throwing a cornhole back and forth, hanging out here on a Saturday afternoon, eating chili together, doing life together with another group of believers, it would be my prayer that your picture of family could get redeemed, a brother. What would it look like to do life together with somebody who's a sibling in the faith? Epaphroditus is this to the Apostle Paul. He is a brother. He's also a fellow worker. He's family, but he still has a job to do. We do our chores, and we do it with pride, and we do it cheerfully because God is honored by that. God's family does not shy away from good work. We don't shy away from hard work. How about this bullet point on his job description? He's a fellow soldier. He's been on the front line with the Apostle Paul. Don't make any mistake. You're in a battle. Don't get lulled into complacency. You are in a battle. Paul uses this language all through his writings, this metaphor of soldiering. Don't get caught skipping through a field of flowers, assuming that you're in a field of flowers, when instead you are on a battlefield. You are Look at this passage, another letter from Paul. Ephesians chapter six, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not your own self-reliance. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, not retreat. Stand against his schemes. For we do not wrestle against against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. They were reality then. And 2,000 years later, they're still reality today against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Notice he's already said you're going to stand firm. Look, he doubles down on it. That you will be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done it all, to stand firm as a soldier. Arm in arm with fellow soldiers, your brothers, your sisters in Christ. Paul is leaning on Roman legion imagery here. This idea that a legion, thousands of soldiers, you'd break them down to their smallest common denominator, which is the individual soldier that is doing life together with usually about eight men. And those eight join another eight. And those join another eight. And they become a legion. But in its simplest army terms, it's broken down to a group of eight men. They live together in the same tent. They share the same chores together. They stand on the battlefront line together. Paul is describing Epaphrodites this way. There's a carved relief from the first century that survives that shows the Roman tortoise. They've got a fancy word for it, tortoise, I think. It's where we get our word tortoise. This is what it looks like, a recreation. These are the, this is a shield wall. It looks a little bit like a turtle, doesn't it? The idea that this group, this soldier group can link arms together and they create a shield wall and none shall pass. They stand firm together. I had the privilege, I counted a privilege of officiating a difficult funeral on Friday, a young couple that lost a baby. Such pain, I can barely imagine I I so wanted to do it well and right and helpful. So I texted two groups of people. I texted our elder team and I gave them this much information. I said, Would you please pray for this couple? Pray for me. I also texted a small group of pastors that I've done life together with for years and I said, Would you pray as well? Even while this funeral is happening, I felt my phone buzzing and each time it buzzed, I knew somebody was praying praying for them, praying for me. Let me ask you this question. Who's in your shield wall? Who are you doing life together with where you can stand together like that? Because make no mistake, you are in a battle. Here's another bullet point on his job description. He's a brother, he's a fellow worker, he's a fellow soldier, he's a messenger. He's no errand boy but he is a messenger, there is no job too small for him. How about this, he's also a minister. He's cared for Paul even in his needs, he's minister. We believe in the priesthood of all believers here. There's not a minister, there's a group, a whole family, a church family of ministers. We minister well to one another. Epaphrodites has a job to do, he is a brother to be. In some ways, this qualifies this, doesn't it? Let's look at who he is. What kind of a man was he? Well, he's described as a man of love and concern, concern for his brothers and sisters in Philippi, concern for, well, a brother in the faith named Paul. He's a man who's devoted to the work of Christ. Just like in 1 John, he's been willing. Did you catch that in the text? He got sick almost to the point of death because of his devotion to the cause of Christ. 1 John chapter 3 says, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. I suspect if he had stayed in Philippi, Maybe he wouldn't have gotten sick. Something probably happened along his journey and he arrived the Apostle Paul deathly ill. He risked life and limb in service of God, but this is exactly what the church family is called to do. He's a man who did not mind being a messenger. Nothing was beneath him. He was a servant and he's following Jesus in his example. You could see this, he had brought the gift from Paul uh, from Philippi to Paul, and he's coming back with the letter. You see this at the end. I've received full payment. Thank you, Paul is saying. And more, I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I hope in the Lord, I trust in the Lord. Hopefully, like Timothy, I entrust spiritual sons and daughters. But hopefully, I also entrust spiritual brothers and sisters. So, be an Epaphroditus. Be somebody like him that's described in the ways that he is described. Are you? Well, there's opportunity today to double down on that. Also, have an Epaphroditus. Who is in your shield wall? There's a phrase that's been rolling through my brain as I've been working on this message. It's, I'm such a victim, just like you, to marketing. These phrases get stuck in my brain and they come back. I drive a Ford truck. And uh, what's Ford's slogan? They've had a bunch. I like this one. Built Ford Tough. Well, except for the quarter panels on my truck that are rusting out right now, not super tough. I, I like this phrase. This is the one that's been rolling through my brain. This is this slogan from Chevy trucks from years ago. Like, uh, you've watched the Super Bowl, you've heard this commercial. Like a rock. Eh, kind of. I mean, as much as. Equipment like that that can rust and break down can be, but like a rock, and I couldn't help but think as I was working on this message, we're called to be like a son, like a daughter, like a brother, like a sister. You know who was like a rock? Paul. Christian tradition tells us that he died a martyr's death, probably around 64 AD, maybe, maybe a little bit later. He very well might have died under the Roman Emperor Nero. This guy was a jerk with a capital J. It's been told that Nero persecuted the church. They became like a scapegoat for him. He was such a nasty dude. He would The stories tell us he would take Christians, our early brothers and sisters, dip them in tar, light them on fire, and that's what would illuminate his gardens at night for his guests to be wowed at his beautiful gardens outside the palace by can you imagine the stories that must have been circulated when they talked about persecution in philippi they really had reason to worry like a rock paul faces that kind of death in such oh my goodness philippians chapter 1 to live is christ to die is gain he wrestles through the pros and the cons I eagerly expect, he says in verse 20, and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, like a rock chasing joy, internal conviction. He's fueled by his Savior in that. But make no mistake, he's also fueled by the prayers and the support and the encouragement of a church family because, you see, he's living inside of a family framework like a rock. He's comforted and supported and sustained. What did we say earlier? Through crisis, through normalcy, lean into family. Would you stand up with me right now? We're going to respond with worship. We're going to recognize who is Lord of our life. And I would also invite you all we sing to recognize and be reminded of who your brothers and your sisters, sons and daughters, your family is as well. As we sing with one voice, raise up one voice together in unison in worship. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity right now to worship you, to respond to the reading of your word, which is timeless. It was truth then 2,000 years ago. It's truth today. I thank you for my church family and the opportunity to join together with one voice in worship. And it's in your name we sing and we pray. Amen.